0: Berkelau Books in Hornsby is a community-focused, independent bookshop staffed by a passionate team that loves to engage with local readers. They host many monthly book clubs and numerous author events, and you can check out their current offerings on their social media. That's Berkelau Books Hornsby. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, Danny V here, and I'm super excited to speak to Al Campbell. Al was born in Brisbane. She's a mother and full-time carer. Her first ever publication was in Overland in 2020, followed by a story in Signs of Life, an anthology. The Keepers, the book we talk about today, all but begged her to write it, given us all about issues and people that matter to her more than anything. Welcome, Al. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of
1: your fabulous podcast that I've been listening to for so long.
0: I love that. I love <laughs> that when you sort of know each other beforehand, either in socials <laughs> or if someone's listened to the podcast and they come on because you you probably know all the questions I'm about to ask you. Oh
1: right? I don't know. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, this won't surprise you at all. Uh, the first question I always ask, just so listeners, in case they've read it or maybe they're halfway through, so we don't try not to give too many spoilers. But we're talking about The Keepers today, which Nikki Jamel, you know, described as wildly beautiful and bravely honest. I mean, it's a fabulous review right there. But what is The Keepers about? What's your elevator pitch?
1: Well, um, I would come last in any elevator pitch competition, Uh, Danny. I I feel it only fair to warn you. In fact, I would say I have a superpower and that is writing books that when you try to summarise them or synopsize them sound completely idiotic. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a crack. The the one I'm writing at the moment is even worse than The keepers. So anyway, here we go. Um, The Keepers is about a a woman called Jay who um, had a rather macabre and unhappy childhood. And she grows up and she has two boys of her own, two twins, uh, and a a kind of marriage. And she has a kind of best friend who uh, exists in her room. And something happens, a, a crisis occurs, and Jay... Wonders if, in order to become,
0: you know, to be a good mother,
1: she might have to become a very, very bad one. Mm.
0: Isn't that interesting? That when you become a mother, you become obsessed about being a good mother. <laughs> it just obsesses you, doesn't it? That and the guilt. I think. Did you find that with your experience? Well, I think um, where Jay and I
1: perhaps have a lot in common is is I think Jay wanted very much to just not be her own mother, and anything beyond that is kind of like a bonus and constituted <laughs> her doing a fairly good job. So um, Jay and her kids um, sort of learn about love together, you know, for the first time. So, mm. so yes, but the mother guilt thing is it just comes part of it, doesn't it? It mm. comes with the job. It's real, isn't its it? <laughs> isn't it ever?
0: Now, I know that The Keepers was inspired by some parts of your life. Can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Um, Well, it is. Um, It sort of started as a sort of mental health project for me, really, because I started doing um, Julia Cameron's idea of the morning pages uh, just because I was in a a a bit of a a bleak spot in my life at the time. And uh, I knew um, I had to do something because I was sort of 99.9% stress. And if I didn't do something, well, you know, who knew what was going to happen? And uh, all I knew was that it had to cost no money because I didn't have any of that. And and I had to sort of be able to do it when I could. So it's not like I could go out to a Pilates class or something, whatever one of those is. Um, So I just started doing the morning pages, which um, I can't tell you how just it helped me. I mean, perhaps it was because I decided it was going to help me. I don't know. But it I love the routine of it. I, lo- I, I woke up looking forward to it. It sort of like get everything else done so I can sit down and do the morning pages. And sometimes it came out just like um, memoir and sometimes like fiction and sometimes like science fiction and sometimes like social commentary. And, you know, I would talk about Prince William and Catherine and just anything, anything, anything at all. And I'd sort of... I, I, it would, you know, all sorts of odd things. Like sometimes I would write from the POV of my ears and I would just write whatever I heard, you know, um, but it really helped me. And then, and then, um, I just kept doing it. So it sort of became a practice. And then my son got sick, um, very, very sick in, um, sort of around May, 2017, and we more or less ended up in hospital for the next 18 months, you know, really long stays, wow. long stays. And each time he'd be readmitted. Uh, I remember at one stage the admitting nurse sort of looked at, at me and said, how many admissions is this? And she looked and sort of laughed when she saw the, you know, his sort of electronic chart of how many times we'd been in there. Um, and so I just had my, my my trusty little laptop so I could read and sort of stay connected with the world. and. My intention was to just keep writing the morning pages, I suppose, but sort of threads, you know, sort of threads that had been recurring through it. Sort of I picked up with those and I just wrote like, you know, fury. And it sort mm-hmm. of kept me going because I think otherwise I would have just died of fear and worry and, you know, or I'd, or I'd have attacked a doctor or something mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just... Mm. It's grim when (laughs) you when you're so helpless, and anyone who's ever had a sick child, you know, you you just it's the worst
0: feeling in the it's the cruelest feeling in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine. And, you know, I often speak to mothers about needing to carve something out for themselves, because, you know, motherhood in itself without having a sick child is all consuming. And I imagine, you know, the added grief and the added worry on top of that, you you can't even imagine that unless you've been through it. And so that carving out for yourself when you're a mother, it's really important, isn't it? It really is. And,
1: and, and let, you know, I remember reading Adele say that. I never read anything Adele says, but w- one day my eye fell on it, and she said, "You know, I have to have time out for myself because it makes me a better mother." And I "Oh, Adele, you just want to go out and have a party." <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, uh, it's while I don't go out and have cocktails, but for me, the writing is is that my form of that. You know what I mean? It's it's what I can do. It's what I can control. So, I, I can have a blank page and just have go to town and go bonkers. Anything can happen. And, and it's one tiny
0: part of my life I can actually
1: um, control and steer
0: yeah no I know I had a similar experience not with the sick children but with young children and mm. you know the all-consuming aspect of it which is both wonderful and you know terrifying sometimes yeah and this is exactly how this podcast started you know I oh, needed to carve something out for myself I needed it to not cost them cut a lot cost any money because I was on maternity leave oh, I needed to not have to leave the house because I was breastfeeding for mm. a really long period of time so I thought well maybe I can do this and go upstairs for half an hour once a week which sort of turned into four but we won't talk about that <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that carving out and so when you're talking about your experience of carving something out for yourself it resonated and I don't think it just resonates with me I think it resonates with with many 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 people and I'm interested to see if that's that's not just um parents and mothers but if it's other people as well because sometimes mm-hmm. you are consumed maybe if it's not motherhood you're consumed by work or all the have to's yes. you know all the have to do things you know and I think yes that's carving out for yourself and and people what I find interesting is people talk about being selfish as a bad thing <laughs> Yeah, oh yes. right. especially if you're a parent yeah especially if you're a parent you can't yeah. ever be selfish mm-hmm. and I often think that it's actually selfish not to be selfish in yeah. a way <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all yes
1: yeah it, I don't think it leads to good things I mean just you know as I said when I was just wholeness bowl is focused on on the boys and the whole everything you know having four therapy appointments in one day which is ridiculous week after week year after year I, I did not I was not the best version of myself really yeah. and yeah. and yeah. it wasn't until you know I I started to have some sense of accomplishment or and also you know doing something that I do genuinely enjoy I mean it's not like you know, if I went out and drove a bus for four hours a week, I would f- feel equally kind of <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> but, um, you know, to be able to do the thing that I think I've got a tiny bit of ability and, you know, something, um, mm. that's always nice.
0: Mm. And look, just going back to the morning pages, that's kind of three pages minimum in the morning. First thing you do, that stream of consciousness writing, is that that's right. The, the key thing, um, again, which I balked at and thought,
1: really, do I have to write by hand? But that's what they insist. It's sort I of, love that. And I thought, all right, if that's what I say, because I'm, you know, that girl who does everything she's supposed to
0: do and
1: <laughs> I always put the trolley back in the trolley return, you know, I'm just one of those people. And so I did it and it, it's, yes, and I've still got them and I still read over them and I still think,
0: geez, did I write that? And <laughs> Um yeah so it was just it was just a circuit breaker. Mm, I really like that. I spend a lot of time on the computer as you can imagine but mm. sometimes I just crave handwriting mm. and I wonder if the next generation will ever crave handwriting. Sometimes like no I just mm. need a fresh page and a really nice pen and I just need to yes. write on paper.
1: I know. Isn't the really nice
0: pen the thing? Yeah, and when you it buy is. it, you have to buy sixteen of them because, yes. it's like, what if they stop
1: making them?
0: Oh, that's exactly. <gasps> oh my goodness! You've just yes, I found the perfect pen, yeah, and I, I bought ten on the internet so that if I run out, I know. I, I know it strikes I a can't. chord of fear. Right? <laughs> does. Wow, I thought oh, I was never going to admit that, Al, because I yeah. thought I was the only person who bought 10, um, ten pens at yeah. a time just in case yeah. they ran out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how much writing am I planning on doing when i sitting? <laughs> See, I do feel this dreadful sense of, of barrette, you know, sort of grief when one, it's like you're out, you're you're finished, your, right. the ink and, is gone. And what if I go to Office Works and they're not in stock? I know. So I thinking. need... I need 10. I need five in the you drawer do. at least oh, before yeah. I go back to the shop. So I've got that mm. five buffer. Mm. I'm glad I found someone <laughs> as strange as myself.
1: <laughs> oh, I could match you. I bet. every step of the way.
0: Now, we are going to get back into the book, but Thank you, I want to talk about the Sydney Morning Herald article, the disappointing question I most often got after writing a book. Now, I was on Twitter for about five minutes and I saw post after post after post Retweeting this article. So mm-hmm. then I had to read it, obviously. And so I read it and I was like, wow, this is something like this has something to it. You know, and even the first paragraph, when people described writing as self-indulgent because yeah. you're mother, how scandalous <laughs> you are. And <laughs> you know that perception know. of you of that selfishness which we touched on earlier yeah. but a tell me why you wrote the article and then tell me why you think it resonated with so many people well it's funny actually I'm not sure that I can answer the second
1: question um in a way because I I wrote a piece that okay so then I was asked to write pieces and um and because you know that that's sort of what you do and um at the particular time, and I had to come up with them. Well, my son, uh, Rupes, Rupert, who's who's never been a good sleeper, was was going through really just recently. We've gone through sort of close to ten weeks where his his sleep has been really, really uh, off. Mm-hmm. And this is very very common. I'm not Robinson Crusoe at all here. Very very common in the in the autism community. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that I had to, um, you know, sort of my publisher said um you know could could we have those pieces I think oh dear god I don't think I can spell my name properly at the moment let alone because we really sleep it wasn't going to sleep till four or five in the morning and um so I was really cross-eyed and I sort of you know vomited these bits out and thought I don't know what to say I don't know what to say and what to say and someone had said to me well someone's all people are always interested in people who write books and you know the whole process like h- how did you do it and why did you do it and all that sort of cake but so I thought about that but it was literally someone um who doesn't you know, one of those people at school gate who normally doesn't talk to you and then they talk to you because they heard you have a book and um yeah and it was and it, it was this sort of um Yes, we've all heard about the book. And of course, all we can ask ourselves is where on earth did she find the time? Sort of. (laughs) And I thought, oh my goodness me, you know, if only you knew. And I sort of just let it go. And and then when I had to come up with something, I thought, well, I'll I'll sort of put that whole, um, you know, um, how I wrote it and then sort of where I found the time to do so in sort of one and I just sort of spewed it all around world, you know and then sort of had to cut it down so it was short and tighten it up but I actually didn't I was surprised actually that people responded to it as they did I I don't know I just see I'm not very used mm-hmm. to things being very interesting about me and <laughs> and so um Sort of, when I thought no one's going to care. You know, I'm a 56 year old woman who's written a book. Big deal. You know, get on with it. <laughs> you what? Know, but it's it's funny, I guess. And and I read some of the comments, which I suppose I shouldn't have done, but on the paper. And I thought, oh, what are people going to say? And and they're all wonderful, really wonderful. And mm. and um, I don't know. I guess people also related to my age, you know, um, because. You know, you do think most ships have sailed by the time you're fifty six. Oh,
0: not at all. Just well, they're just
1: starting to come in. Come uh, in. Well, well, you know, I, I you know, I, this was when I wrote the book. I really thought it was just just going to be me and the drawer that would ever see it, and and um, so I don't know. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was someone just deciding. You know, Um, I think I mentioned, or I don't know if I did mention in in um. In that article, Nikki's column that she wrote in 2016 about, you know, writers like Anita Bruckner and Elizabeth Jolly, who'd started um, writing, you know, in their late 40s and 50s, Annie Prue, who wrote, you know, um, everything that she's ever written is brilliant. She didn't get published until she was 52. And I remember reading that thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe I could still get something up. But, um, so, yeah, and, you know, and, uh, the the four till seven thing blows people's minds. But I guess over the years I'm not used to a lot of sleep anyway and I am very much a morning person. So I'm sort of a cabbage from about 1.30 in the afternoon mm. on. Like I go into autopilot. I can sort of walk and I could probably boil water. That's about it. I certainly can't think or sign legal documents or anything like that in the afternoons. And... Um, Uh, You know, the morning's worked and I feel productive and I feel creative. It's funny. Yeah, I can just up straight up, make bed. That's part of the process. Got to have that bed straight and hit the keyboard and off we go. I
0: really like that. And I think, you know, you were saying, oh, no one's going to care about what I do. But I actually think people care about real experiences that they can relate to themselves. And I think everyone, even though that is very much your story and your experience, I think everyone saw a piece of themselves in it and thought, oh, that's what someone said to me, or that's how I felt, or that's what I had to do to carve something out for myself. So I think that's maybe why it resonated with people, because they saw themselves in it. And maybe also as a as a and you don't sort of think of writing
1: or, you know, opening an old a cheap old notebook and picking up the nice pen that you have. Um and writing as as being any sort of therapy but you know it's funny how things are born out of sort of sort of desperate measures like that and not to digress too much but when one of my boys was very little um when he would eat something and if that bit of something would get onto one of his fingers like some peanut butter off the sandwich and he would discover it on his fingers where he would immediately vomit like so all of his lunch would come up even though he liked the food that was on his fingers there was just that sensory thing So he's an occupational therapist at the time and we were trying to sort of work our way because he was just throwing up all the time. And she said, look, I noticed that he really likes to draw. So let's get him into an art class and see if he can let his hands get mucky with paints and things and that might desensitise the whole food thing. Well, so we did that. And, of course, now he's an artist. Like that's what Mm, he does. And, And so that was born out of a therapeutic sort of pursuit a need and sort of same with me I mean I'm decades behind him but same with me with the writing you know and, and I you know I wonder if people out there might have read the article and thought maybe I'll get an old notebook and my best pen and sit down and have a go or and also even when you are in terrible times of grief or worry stress and we all have it whether you don't have to be a parent or mm. everyone's walking around with stuff you know instead of Doing all the usual things that we do, you know. Maybe, what do I like? Maybe I'll paint. Maybe I'll, you know. Maybe I'll build ships in bottles. Maybe I'll, you know, something, anything. Mm. And maybe I'll yeah. sing. Join a choir. Maybe anything. And. So maybe that sort of resonated in that way. I don't know. I hope it
0: helped people. Yeah, I think I think so. And and art definitely is therapy. And I don't think it's it's just when you create it. I think it's when you consume it as well. And I mean, researchers said that eight minutes of reading puts you in like a meditative state. You know how amazing is that? Mm, there you That's, go. That, it's good for us. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And we should probably get back to the book, even though we've had a very interesting <laughs> chat thus far, and I knew we'd do this. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. I'm but tell me about the keeper, how he came to be, and the strangeness of him. Well, again, that's a bit of a wacky story. So um,
1: going back to that idea of trying to present, one of the key things that I wanted to get across is um, when you become a carer, it's overnight, almost mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So you're, you're, you don't expect it. You're not prepared. Yesterday you weren't, today you are, mm. especially if you're a parent carer. Somebody has an accident, you become a carer. Somebody's born, you become a carer. Somebody's diagnosed, you become a carer. It's instant. So I wanted to have this idea of a woman who's like everybody else in the world, is already dealing with a lot. And then she becomes mm. a carer. Um, because that's what happens. You know, we aren't carers, aren't these beautiful carefree people who've skated through life and then, okay, I've had my happiness, now I'm going to, you know, no, no, you're already kind of dragging yourself around and thinking, oh, blimey, here we go. And so um, I was being very boring and I was actually presenting her as in a very cliched way. She was a pill-popping alcoholic. And I was writing it and I was thinking, dear me, I'm so bored. This is so boring. This is so overdone. This has only been done, what, two, three, four million times before. So anyway, I kept writing, kept writing. And and I went to sleep one night. I never I believe I don't really sleep. I call I call um you know the night mind or sort of the night shift worker takes over when I go to sleep. And I'm sure that a lot of writers go through this. You go to sleep, you know, when you're you know you're writing in the midst of a manuscript, and then the night shift worker comes along and she goes, Look, she hasn't thought of this. Look at this plot hole here, what are you doing there. She's completely forgotten about that. And so tidies up for you and you wake up in the morning. And you think, oh, I think that's very helpful, thanks. I went to sleep this one night and suddenly had, I know this is really unhelpful, but I had this dream and it, that was the whole first chapter. Wow. All the conversation, I sat bolt upright and thought, what was that? And I have a little app called Say It, Mail It. I grabbed my phone and I sort of, Set it all in very quietly so that nobody could hear. And I didn't wake anyone. I got up in the morning and I typed it all out. And I thought, what on earth is this? And I sort of set it aside, thinking this is science fiction or something. I don't know what it is. So I just put aside, I kept writing, kept being bored, kept writing my cliched portrait of a lady. And then I thought, let me have a look at this weirdo. And and I thought that's it. She doesn't need the pills and alcohol anymore. She's got him. Wow. So, thank you, night shift worker. <laughs> she, she took you... over, and that is incredible. I should give her a bonus. Give her some more hours of sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, literally, but honestly, I'm sure that every other writer out there would have those experiences mm-hmm. where something comes when you're at rest, yeah, and relaxed, and it just solves. And then I showed it to someone. Um, I did courses at the Australian Writers' Centre and I showed it to someone there. And luckily the lady I showed it to has an appreciation of specfic and doesn't sort of look at it and go, it's very lowbrow. Um, And she went, I said, what about this? It's a bit wacky, isn't it? And she said, no, 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 it's good. Keep it. Let's do more. And I thought... And having someone say that, I just thought, great, let's go with it. Let's Mm -hmm. see what he becomes and how that all works out. Oh, it's
0: really interesting i love that and i love that idea you know when you're asleep or when you're in the shower that's when your ideas come to you because it's true isn't it that's it when they come to you it does and it's that. good
1: to have that little app that you can whisper out yes so i haven't heard
0: of that but i thought mm, say it mail it. i'm gonna have to yep, that
1: say it mail it i've been <laughs> using
0: it for years and so you send yourself your voice memories. Mm. it's really good i really like that now your character jay i just found her voice just so wonderful tell me about this character development how much of yourself was in jay
1: um, I think Jay's um, for Jay's not meant to be very well, of course, because she she has this person, this being in her life. but I think in many ways she's much more together than I am and um, yeah she's um she's tough. she didn't expect much out of life and so sort of explains why she she sticks in with this uh, less than ideal marital situation that she finds herself in um but I think she um is looking for love which we all are Mm. I think that's where keep came from partially and wanting to feel like someone was looking out for her because she had never had that and then the boys come along she's got that sense that they were always
0: meant to be together and um and they always will be Mm. Mm. I like that and I like how you said that you know everyone is searching for love and it's not always romantic love sometimes it's just a friend or your children or your family but yeah yeah, we are always searching for love and in some ways the book is a love story of sorts oh definitely it's definitely a love story Mm. it's just not how most people think of a love story Mm -hmm. but there are so many types of love that are just as you know, worthy of all the other types of, love. we seem to focus on romantic love. Like oh. Romantic love's wonderful, you know, but there are so many other types yeah. of love that are just as powerful and just as important in your life, I think.
1: That's right. Just as nourishing and sustaining. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Well, here comes the question that you should know is coming out. <laughs> You've told me a little bit, but I want to go a bit deeper here. Why do you write? Well, um... I'm,
1: I'm really, I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just, I've always been a bit of a wordsmith and um, I wanted to be an actress more than anything. That was my, my big thing. So really when I was little, uh, it was plays that I read most more than novels. So, and I've always been a drifter, um, was knocked around with sort of different groups of people. And, so I think I've got a fairly good ear for, you know, dialogue and and how people speak to each other or relate to each other or don't relate to each other. And I just like mucking around with words. There's nothing more exciting. I just have always been a reader, and mm. um, there's nothing more exciting than to me reading a book where you just don't know when you turn the page where. Book's going to take, you know, in terms of plot. I mean, in terms of, and I know this might be a bit of a hackneyed example, but, you know, reading Jennifer Egan's A Visit from the Goon Squad, turning the page and, hey, the next chapter is a PowerPoint demonstration. <laughs> or, you know, just reading, you know, um, Lanny and having Max Porter's Lenny having all the scrawly words, which are actually really, really important snippets of dialogue all the way through, and you've got to work very hard to read them. And make sense of them, but there's each payoff. And um, I just, it's just the thing that I, you know, I do, I do, I do open the dictionary at a random page every day because words still really blow up my skirt. You know, I really, <laughs> really enjoy.
0: Um, I love that. That's going to be the tagline. That's going to be the tagline of this podcast words really blow up my skirt. <laughs> need a t-shirt like that actually words really why why don't I have a t-shirt that says that I'm gonna steal it from you Al is that okay that's
1: you may you may
0: (laughs) have it with
1: much love and affection you may have it yeah so um I just find words and the whole world of words just very sustaining and it's also something you know I'm quite a reclusive person and even though I acted, you know, people don't believe that because people sort of say, well, how can you be a recluse if you're an actor? Mm. But people don't understand when you act, you're not there. Mm. You're somebody else saying somebody else's words. And then at the end, everybody claps by will be? It's perfect. <laughs> and it's, it's sort of the same with writing is more exposing because it is your words, but it's also something that you can do like I said four in the morning in the dark nobody else is awake nobody knows you're doing it you can you're in total command of your mind and or whatever you know what I mean it's very exciting and yeah I don't like anything else as much And everyone has to have a hobby.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And an escape, I think. And I I love the idea of getting up at 4 a.m. in the dark and doing that writing. I just think that is. But it's almost that time where you you might even be able to be a bit more risky or take more risks with your writing because it's 4 a.m. and everyone else is sleeping and you're already breaking rules, you know. Like I love that.
1: No, it's maybe it's because I'm happy. But um, I do find that that. Nothing else that comes out of me if I do have it to write in the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Nothing else that comes out is as um I don't know, is is as bold or something. I just sort of spew it all out at four. No one's looking. No one will ever see if I don't want them to. That's the
0: other thing. I can get rid of it before anyone has. To that's an,
1: that's
0: another quote, I'll bold at four. Bold at four a.m. <laughs> I love it. All these little tidbits, those little one-liners or we can all take into our lives. Be bold
1: 4am. Yep, 4am boldness. <laughs> I love Breaking it. bad at 4am.
0: <laughs> but you know what? Those things that you were telling me, your love of words, you know, that being bold as you're writing, that all comes out in The Keepers. You know, as you're speaking, I'm like, yes, I oh. saw that, I read that, I felt that. So that really came through. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's
1: great.
0: Cool. Now, I love... The book, The Keepers, I loved your article. It's actually what made me pick The Keepers out from my very big uh, to be read pile. <laughs> and you. I thought yeah, this you. is something that is resonating with people and resonated with me. And so thank you not only for writing it and writing the article, but for just being so honest. Because I think, you know, for so long, I think we've seen shiny, perfect people in our media. I think social media has changed that a little bit because we get to see a little bit of an insight into... Uh, curated real lives I'm not saying it's all about real life <laughs> there's a bit more realness to it I think and so I think you know it's really important to be honest and authentic and vulnerable and that's what we try and do on the Words and Nerds podcast not, we don't try and be too shiny um, so I think that vulnerability and that no, that's really good. resonated so thank you thank you so much Al for, for coming on as well how exciting well to... can I
1: can I also say thank you to you because um and for people like me who um you know we are sort of a bit isolated and and you know for very good reasons um and for reasons beyond our control and you can't do courses and you can't do you know university things um podcasts like yours and the the information you know listening to other writers and their processes and the problems and how they perceive problems in their work and how they work through the problems in their work and and you get to hear about you know writers talk about other writers and they think well I've never heard of him I've never heard of her I'll check them out this you provide us with such fantastic resource and so I just want to say thank you I have been listening for years I never thought I'd be the person talking to you one day um so I hope someone can you know benefit from from anything that i've been able to share and i just want to thank you for the work you do i really appreciate it
0: thank you that's really nice it's really lovely and it's been my own university of writing too and something that as we said i had to carve out for my own you know anxiety and and things that i didn't feel like that i was getting so you have to come and get them for yourself so thank you so much it's been such a nice chat and um bit of mutual love and enthusiasm, (laughs) which I always love. I always love that. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. This week is all about giving your favorite bookshops a shout out. Here are a few from the social media call out, but I'm going to have to continue this over a few episodes because so many of you were so passionate about your bookshops. We have a few favorites, Neighbourhood Books in Northcote. We've got in the Blue Mountains the Turning Page Bookshop in Springwood. The Good Earth Bookshop in Wentworth Falls, Megalong books in Lura and Glee Books in Blackheath. Sounds like a tour needs to be coming up for there. We've got Beaufort Street Books in WA. An avid reader was a huge favourite in Brisbane. We've got the book Cow Kingston, which sounds pretty cool, supporting local authors and have an amazing range of adults and kids books. We've got the Bookroom Collective in Byron Bay. Sounds like an excuse for a holiday to me. We've got Booktique in Wangaratta supporting local authors and bringing wonderful books to Victoria. And we've got Mary Who Books is a pocket rocket of a store. I love that description. Where the wild things are bookshop is like stepping through the wardrobe. Kids books galore and incredibly knowledgeable staff. We've got Beachside Bookshop, which sounds pretty cool. And Bin Chicken Books, so much more than a secondhand bookstore, it's online. You can browse in your PJs and more importantly, Sophia the owner carefully curates her offerings to ensure diversity and equality. And Bookface, Port Macquarie. And of course Anna's bookshop around the corner in Cronulla is always one of our favorites. Farrell's bookshop is someone's local. And Harry Harthog booksellers in the Green Hills store. Collins bookseller in Thoreau gets a shout out as the most amazing group of people who went above and beyond during a pandemic and have been so supportive. And Oscar and Friends booksellers in Double Bay and Surrey Hills will forever have Jeremy Lachlan's heart. He wouldn't be where he is today without them. Incredible staff, super supportive of Australian authors, always up for lovely bookish chats. Thank you so much for your recommendations and we'll keep giving our local bookshops shout outs. So if you have a favorite bookshop, please let me know and we'll give them a shout out on the podcast. The words and nerds universe content is created by many talented people. We have the usual episodes and live streams hosted by me, Danny V. There are three regular spin-offs, the popular Burgers, Beers and Books hosted by Ben Hobson, the regular Takeover hosted by Nathan J. Phillips, and a different page hosted by Josie Layton. Check the Words and Nerds website for more details. We also have Takeover episodes where an author interviews another author and they take the conversation wherever they like. Throughout the year, we also have short spin-offs like the Summer Series Takeover, the NaNoWriMo Series, and the Publishing Insider Series. You can find all of these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll also find us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Danny B Books, Words and Nerds Podcast. Stay safe and read more books.